1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: All right, a little past one o'clock. John Grayson here with you. Final hour of this show for a Thursday. And, boy, have we got an hour ahead of us. Uh, we're going to wind up our conversation about the cruise here in just a minute. And we've got a, a special guest joining us. Pete Evick will be here after the bottom of the hour to talk about his new book, MTV Famous, and do a little talking about, uh, well, his continuing efforts with the Brett Michaels Band and everything else that he's got going on. It, dude is a true renaissance man, but we're looking forward to having a conversation with him here in just a little bit. Meantime, we were on this story about a cruise, where a couple back in May had booked a cruise that was set to leave New Year's Eve. And in between then and now, the wife in this couple died. So her daughter has now taken over and is trying to get their money back from Carnival Cruises. Carnival says, no, we have, I mean, this is exactly why we have uh, our own trip insurance available. We tried to sell it to you. You said no. So, no, you don't get a refund. And on top of that, there's a there's a cancellation fee. So she's saying, well, you guys are a multi-billion dollar conversation and my mom just died. And they're saying, well, yeah, but that's why we have the insurance that you didn't buy. So... Is, is there any middle ground here, or is this all a matter of what we're seeing on the text line, which is death should be an exception, and on the phones, which is no, it shouldn't. That's what the insurance is for. There shouldn't be any exception because the insurance is available to you. And we'll wind this conversation up with Joe, who's calling in and was kind enough to stand by through the top of the hour, calling in for mission. Hey, Joe.
3: Hey, Grayson. Uh it's so, somewhat along the lines of insurance. Uh, my son and his significant other went to Europe, and her back completely went out on her, and she had to uh, have surgery in Europe. And oh, wow. She bought – my wife told him to buy health writer insurance. So she got stabilized in, in Brussels and was there for three days in the hospital. Got her stabilized and then flew her back to, both of them, back to the United States first class so that she could lay flat. Oh, wow.
4: And
1: when she
3: when she arrived in the United States in Washington, D.C., then she immediately went and had back surgery. So most people don't think about health insurance uh, as an insurance when you're abroad. And it's it, it's very cheap. It's like 50 bucks. And Be- because one a, of the
2: odds that something's going to happen.
3: Exactly. Well, you could have been in a car wreck or, uh, you know, anything while you're in Europe. Yeah. And uh, and so that's just something people don't think about. And cruise ships are the same way. You can get sick there, too. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's something to think about if when you're traveling abroad.
2: All right. Hey, thanks. Uh, Joe, I really appreciate you getting in. Yeah, I've never done it. Um, now, that said... The only traveling outside the country I've ever done was either part of a USO tour, which <laughs> uh, one of these days I'll tell you about going to Baghdad. But yeah, uh, that w- that was fun back in 2006. So it was either that, or it's been uh, you know places you can drive, driving down to Mexico, driving down to the beach in Mexico, or driving up into Canada or whatever. It's it hasn't been. Let's take a trip to. Ireland, or let's take a trip to, uh, oh, I don't know, Spain or something like that. If I did that, I might think more about it. But for the trips that that we've taken over time, uh, it just didn't seem like it was going to save that much. And I've told you before, my dad's line on this was, never pay to insure something you can afford to replace. And that was always my thought is, it's like, okay. Uh, what's it going to cost me? Five hundred dollars worth of plane tickets, maybe a grand to spend a week down on the beach in Mexico. So fifteen hundred bucks. Nah, you know, if the worst possible thing happened and and one of us got really sick or really hurt and couldn't go, I'm fine with <laughs> with watching the fifteen hundred dollars evaporate. That wouldn't make me cry. But for something that's a five thousand or seven thousand or ten thousand dollar trip halfway across the globe. Maybe a little bit of a different story. We'll get one more in real quick. Nancy in St. Louis wants to join us. Hello, Nancy. Hi, John. Hi there.
4: Here I am again.
2: And what do you think?
4: I think they should get their money back. I think everybody's made mistakes from time to time. And I think people are just being heartless. And Carnival certainly can afford it. It's not like they're poor. (laughs)
2: That's true. Uh, But they got that way by being like this, you know? So I guess they want to stay rich.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, now what I think should happen is that um, so that everybody and his brother doesn't try to pull this. Right. um, You should have to show a death certificate or some actual proof of the death of the person involved
2: gotcha yeah so you're not trying to scam them out of anything yeah you need to you need to own up to it
4: sure no you should have to prove it but if you can prove it then yes you should get your money back
2: okay all right nancy you you got the last word on it really appreciate you getting in but you see how this is going And, and what she just said again is ringing over and over and over again on the text line Even as the people who called in are more on the side of, well, you know, you should have used a little bit of better planning and you wouldn't have to worry about this. We'll move from there. And again, Pete Evick joining us at the bottom of the hour. We'll move from there into another story about whether somebody should have known better. And the somebody in this case is Amazon. There's a suit going on right now, and Amazon had tried to kind of wiggle their way out of this thing because they said, well, you know, there are legitimate purposes for this. Here's what happened. Somebody went onto Amazon and bought a spy cam. Now, you know, there's places in the mall where you can buy this stuff. The the spy shops have been around for decades now. Uh, And as technology increases and things get smaller it becomes ever easier to conceal uh, cameras and microphones and all of the other things that you could use to spy on somebody. But this is another story of does it make a difference what would seem to be a fairly small detail in the story? Because this lawsuit, by the way, is coming to us out of Brazil. This did not happen here in the United States which may make a bit of a difference. I'm wondering if, if it would be as successful if a suit like this was launched here in the States. But the, uh, the spy cam in question wasn't just a camera. It was a camera specifically designed to be concealed. Not only that, it was you could make the case specifically designed to be concealed in a bathroom. It was designed as a coat hook the same kind of coat hook that you would you know that you see on the back of the bathroom door so the the stall when you walk into the stall you take your coat off or whatever hang it on the hook do what you have to do and then put the coat back on and out you go except that that coat hook was a camera and the and sure enough somebody used one in a public bathroom for months to take thousands of images and Because people are weird. I I know you're asking, why would anybody... I don't know. All I can say is there's a lot of weirdos out there. So somebody used this thing to take images, and I know you know Dana and Parks have talked a lot about this, about a case that happened around here with some guy who was going around into public bathrooms and things like that and sliding the camera under the stall door and taking... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on. But the case that was made in this case is that Amazon should have known better that it's their fault because by looking at this thing, you know what it's going to be used for, that that coat hook is going to go into a bathroom stall, and they should have known that because of the design of what they were selling, Or allowed to be sold. I don't know if it was a third party vendor. It may very well have been. But because they were allowing their website to be used to sell this thing that they should have known was going to be used for illegal purposes, they cannot do what they tried to do, which is have the lawsuit dismissed by going, we didn't know what they were going to use it for. See what I mean? So they're saying, they're claiming ignorance here, saying, well, Yeah, but there are legitimate ways that you could use that that wouldn't violate the law. And the judge is saying, no, no, no. Come on. When somebody puts a camera inside a coat hook like that, the only reason why you would decide to conceal a camera there, because where where else are you going to have a coat hook? In a closet? It's dark in there. Nobody's going to use a spy cam in a closet. So the only place where you could legitimately expect somebody to use one of these things would be in a bathroom. And the only reason somebody would put a spy cam in a bathroom is to do something illegal. Therefore, Amazon, this suit goes forward and you're still on the hook. Now, the suit's not over. So we don't know if Amazon's going to win this or lose this. But their attempt to get the suit dismissed by claiming ignorance, by claiming, well, gee, cameras aren't illegal. This item is a legal item to sell. And we, once it's out of our hands, we can't control it. And the judge said, not good enough. You should have known better because the design of this thing specifically. It's like if you put a a spy cam in a toilet paper dispenser, you know, where do you think that's going to get used? So you should have known by the design of this thing that it was attracting people who were going to use it illegally. We'll get your thoughts on that matter just ahead. If you want to chime in, 913-586-7798. Is it Amazon's fault if you use their stuff to go out and... Do something illegal with it. We'll get to it just ahead. 913-586-7798. John Grayson here with you. More to come on one KMBZ. 20 minutes now past the hour. John Grayson here with you. And uh, a lot of action coming in on the text line on this one. Uh, we, our sandwich is also here. We'll tell you, we'll reset that for you in just a couple of minutes. I told you it was going to be a busy hour. Why I, I got a beer sitting here. <laughs> the engineers brought in. We were talking about stouts earlier, and the engineers brought in a chocolate milk stout. So thank you, engineering department, as this always. This last 45-inch of the show <laughs> is about to be a
5: hoot. <laughs> it's going to get lit.
2: So uh, not that kind of lit. No, I'm saving the chocolate milk stout for, for later when I get home. I don't think you can drink on the air. Anyway. It was
6: good use of uh, some some younger
2: slang there like we were talking oh, about the other oh day. Oh, lit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was okay with that one. But uh yeah, it, before we get to the sandwich, and yeah, come on in here. Uh Colin will uh, we'll, we'll let him <laughs> leave the other room here for just a second. But we were talking about this lawsuit against Amazon where they they were trying to make the case this spy cam that's in the shape of a like a coat rack or a towel rack was used illegally so the the person who was the victim of this illegal use, a college student uh, who was in West Virginia, but originally from Brazil, which is why that's where the lawsuit is, um, said it's Amazon's fault. They should've known this thing is going to end up in a bathroom and somebody's going to use it to take illegal video or photos or whatever. So they shouldn't be selling this stuff. So it's Amazon's fault. And Amazon tried to get the suit dismissed saying, "No, it isn't. There are legal uses for this." and uh, is a lot of you are saying no I'm not down with that there are legitimate legal ways where you could use a hook like that that you know in an entryway or something that you could have a spy cam that was you know a nanny cam or something that's totally legitimate so it's not amazon's fault um, all right that said a while back here on the broadcast we let you know that this uh, Grill 32 in uh, Ed- Edwardsville Kansas in uh Wyandot County had come up with a sandwich called the New Heights based on the New Heights podcast hosted by Travis and Jason Kelsey that's a mashup of a whole bunch of stuff. We we have a much better view of it now. Dragon I've got I've got what I want Colin. so you're all good to go. But um here is some utensils for you and uh, there's there's paper plates over there as well. So we've got a better picture of this now. It's actually a double-decker sandwich. So you've got three pieces of bread. And on the bottom, I did turkey. I I hope you don't mind. That uh, you can do either ham or turkey with lettuce and tomato and mayonnaise. And then on the top, it's a combination of barbecue and a Philly cheesesteak. So it has their own sauce on it, and it has a couple of different cheeses and your peppers and onions. I took a little bit of the top half and so we're going to give this thing a ride now and see what we think of all of this. First of all, Colin, uh, as he's grabbing for napkins, yes, it is as big as we thought. It's a giant sandwich. What do you think of just the look of the thing? Is it the red? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. You're I all good. I've actually never turned them on. I've never
6: been in this studio. <laughs> I think for an extended period of time, sitting in the big chair. Welcome to my world. Know. How yeah. about that? Look at us. Uh-huh. Just, just guys being dudes. This is. Monstrous. Uh huh. It is very large. Sham- and I know you only took the the top half yeah just, I just a little the full, bit of that. I took the whole thing you I want to get the full experience the
2: full experience of just biting into that entire thing and and I don't blame you at all I mean um, it's it, as Sam was bringing it up Sam Stevie was here a minute ago and he yeah. brought this up went down and met our Door Dasher and brought our sandwich up and he was he was having trouble holding on to it he's like oh man this thing is huge so um, it, the fries also I I didn't get the seasoned fries I just got regular crinkle fluff. Crinkle flies? Yeah, crinkle flies. Regular crinkle fly- fries. Did it again. Uh, and and got the sandwich with the turkey on the bottom. It's already fallen apart in your hands. <laughs> I'm amused as heck watching you try to, to like eat this leave, thing.
6: I need to find a way to leave my mic on. Yeah. Because my hands are now disgusting, and I don't want to do that to That's, Dana over here.
2: Oh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, so that said, uh, the first bite, first impression. So good so good it's yeah. so good <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah it is giant now the bread i thought was an interesting choice too because it's kind of like it looks like that texas toast texas toast yeah, yeah that was my thought too okay so um i'm gonna just i'm gonna grab a little bit of a fry here because i do love some crinkle fries or flies mm. yeah the fries are good yes they the fries are. are very good and I'm going to see, okay, this is not the piece of bread. It's just hard to keep this whole thing together. It's falling <laughs> to, I need, like, a fork to eat it. That's why, yeah, all we had was spoons, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, that's why I just took this little bit of the top half. And I will say, that the two different cheeses, because it's provolone and then, like, cheese Whiz. I thought it was American. Is it American? I think okay. they said American on the website. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, usually, like, a Philly cheesesteak. In Philadelphia, they do cheese Whiz, but... Um, that's that's no problem. And the smell. Oh man. The peppers and onions it really come
6: smells to smell. incredible. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing I noticed oh. when I opened the door and I walked in here. That's what I'm saying.
2: Oh, that's good. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, having never been to Grill 32 before, I will say uh yeah, you guys have outdone yourselves. And as I said, uh you my my only trepidation with this was how well is barbecue going to go? With a Philly cheesesteak, because in my mind, a Philly cheesesteak is not missing anything. So um, I, I will also give them credit. They did not douse it in barbecue sauce. It's not, you know, it's not glopped full of barbecue sauce, which I think is a solid move. Um, it comes through, but it's not overwhelming. And uh, yeah, I will say that is that is a heck of a marriage. The now, turkey is very good. I, yeah, because I, I did not have I, any of a turkey I like the turkey. That's that's where the mayo is is down on the, the bottom. Provolone there. is good.
6: Everything about this is is great. <laughs> this is one of those. You know, you're in college. Uh-huh. It's two a.m. on a Saturday night. You were out doing, Lord knows what you I'm were doing. A couple beers. Yeah, sure this is a yeah. great thing to have after a night out.
2: That will definitely soak up some serious uh, amounts of alcohol. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely well put. All right, and and if you want to go out, I mean the the sandwich I think um I DoorDash it so it ended up being I don't know, north of uh well with a tip and everything. It was a little more than 30 bucks, but still if you go there and get it it's 17.95, I think. Uh and the fries didn't cost any extra. If you get fancy fries, which you can do, that is a little bit extra. At least on DoorDash, I don't know if it's like that when you go to the restaurant and get it. But um yeah, if you wanted to take a couple of your closest friends with you and all of you split one of these things, you would all walk out with full stomachs. It's just a giant, giant sandwich. So, uh, yeah, thanks again to our DoorDasher. What was her name? I think it was Ada. So, Ada, well done, but you got here really fast. Well done. And to the folks at uh, Grill32. You nice, have done
6: yourselves. Yeah, yes. nice
2: nice job uh, taking advantage of the popularity of, of the Kelsey Brothers podcast and the new height sandwich? I'm calling this one a win. This is by far a, a very big success. Yes. <laughs> okay. I see. Now I want to
6: try the other things on their menu that yeah. we were talking about too. Oh yeah, no doubt. So yeah, I mean, was it the
2: the Cluck Norris? <laughs> <laughs> I wanna that's yeah.
6: a good I wanna try that
2: one. I, I gotta look. Yeah, I mean anything that's clever like that. I'm gonna go back to the DoorDash app and see if I can uh just look down their menu a little bit and see what else might be amusing on there. We'll do more of this in just a little bit. If you uh if you feel like it, hang out with us for just a couple cause we're gonna bring in a very good friend, Pete Evick, who is the lead guitar for the Brett Michaels band. And we'll talk to him a little bit about that and a lot more about his brand-new book, MTV Famous. We've got a half a sandwich here to deliver to Sam Stevie, and we'll see if uh, if, if more comes out of that on the afternoon show uh, with Dana and Parks here after 2 o'clock. So another half hour left to go, and this one we'll spend a lot of it with Pete Evick coming up. Stick with us. John Grayson here with you on 98.1 KMBZ.
1: let odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
2: 133 the time 98 1k NBC. john grayson here with you and time to bring in just one of the best guys i know um you i mean you're hearing a little bit of brett Michaels singing right now he'll be here in town in April of 2024, uh, we'll get you the details on it. I was looking around on the website and it's not quite caught up, but I already saw the billboards. They're out <laughs> and uh, letting us know. And when the Brett Michaels band comes to town, the man you will see standing next to him on stage is our next guest, lead guitar player Pete Evick, also of the band bearing the name Evick. Pete, welcome to the program. How's everything going? Everything's great, John. How are you doing today? Couldn't be better. And, and we've got so much to talk about. It's been a little while since you and I have gotten together to do some radio. So uh, definitely glad feels, to have you back.
5: Feels like it's been too long, buddy.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's totally my fault. But yeah, thank you for, for making the time for us today. And and before we even get into the your your latest book, I want to go back and do a little bit of history because for the KMBZ audience and for the folks here in Kansas City, might not be as familiar with some of the stuff that you've done, Shining Soul Candle Company is is you, uh, and and they're absolutely everywhere. Just a wonderful effort there. And now you've you've also gone into the world of barbecue sauce, which here in town that's kind of a big deal, dude. <laughs> so, how did that happen?
5: You know, it's it's funny. I stepped outside of. I mean, I'm in a town called Herndon, Virginia, just outside of Manassas, Virginia, where I'm from. Uh, and I stepped outside to do this interview. From a, from a restaurant that my partner in, in the Virginia Sauce and Spice Company uh, is doing something at. I was testing our newest products during dry rubs that we're putting out next week. So, <laughs> uh, I, and I had to step out to do, to do the interview. Um, the uh, You know, John, you and me have been friends for a long time. I, I'll tell you, I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about. Yeah. I don't do anything that I don't love. And, the uh, it, you know, it's funny. Like you said, barbecue sauce, and uh, a lot of people call it a hot sauce. It, what The original product that started the company, Virginia Sauce and Spice Company, uh, was it's a, a Jamaican jerk marinade that I used to, I made for about 10 years uh, in my own recipe that I made for shrimp when I would have cookouts or friends over and stuff like that. And uh, it was something that I developed over 10 years, and I, I kept trying to get it right and very passionate about it. And uh, they, I'm one of those guys that that – I can't, I can't ever have a hobby. I think business is my hobby because as soon as I think I've got something cool that I'm doing, I try to figure out how to turn it into a business.
2: Yeah. Well, then that's really funny because that brings us very nicely into the new book MTV Famous because you talk a lot in that book about the fact that, uh, that, you know, that, 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 uh, that, that sort of passion for you has been a driver of a lot of things and what, What the book is about, at least in the initial stages, is about how you went from being a lover of music, which a lot of us grew up in that realm, you know, going to concerts every weekend when we could and, you know, when we could put the money together and going out and buying guitars and and forcing ourselves to learn how to play and getting lessons and all of that. And some people come out of that and end up where you are, where you're on stage all the time. You know, you and Brett just hacking away at it and and just making this amazing music. And what it is that separates that from the bar bands that populate the bars here all the time to guys like me who are just kind of hobbyists with the whole thing and love playing. And really, it's that same kind of drive. I mean, the reason you ended up where you ended up is because it's a business.
5: It is a business, and that's what I. You know, you know. It's funny uh, th- when when MTV Famous first came out. Uh, the the shocking thing to me was that uh, several people came back to me and wrote reviews online and said this is a must read for anybody looking to break into the music business. And I'd never thought of it as a how to guide, <laughs> but, but I, I I I certainly hope that there's enough information in there to either inspire or honestly scare the crap out of someone and make them run the other way. Cause, cause you can't, you can't do this without getting hurt. And yeah. I hate to say that. And I, I don't know if you read through the entire book, but I get, I talk about a lot of that and uh, it, you know, it, it's a sacrifice it, it, and there's so many people just not willing to, to do that. And why would you? To, to, God, you know, I'm so grateful. I, I'm sitting here talking to you, Brett Michaels is my best friend. I, I frequently chat and text with Ace Freely, my, you know, my very first hero ever, Yeah. Uh, you, you know, so my life is, my life is great, but sometimes I wonder did everything else I gave up, would that have been better? Would I have been happier? Would I have been fuller? You don't know. The grass is always greener. Uh, all I know is there was something in me that drove me, even when i didn't want to go. there was still something else inside of me that kept going and and, and that 's I still have it at 51 years old. I feel like I'm just getting started. man.
2: <laughs> that's that's great. And see, another thing that I love that also comes through. And like I said, I mean, before I even ask the question, explain the term MTV famous, because what I don't want people to get the idea is that this is a book where Pete Evick talks about all the people who got famous on MTV. It is very much not that. That term means something to you.
5: And yeah, and you know, just John. To be real honest with you, I'm glad you brought that up because in the first week of the book release, I, I saw some backlash about the name, and I saw a bunch of people like saying, "Who does this guy think he is? He was—he <laughs> he didn't even have a shot before MTV wasn't even or, MTV was over before this happened, and all, all this stuff." And uh, and, and it, so when we were writing the book, I, I have a, a co-writer, Steve Olivis, with me that uh that helped me with it and he was the one that would use the term empty fame mtv famous to describe me going along the way and right up till the couple of days before we were going to basically to the publishing um we hadn't had a name for it and all of a sudden it just hit me that that name in my brain made made sense to me what mtv famous was to me was i i was real young um when I, my mom put a guitar in my hand at five years old and um, by the time MTV came around and I was in sixth grade, it, uh, I, I didn't, I was too young to care about the money, the women or the drugs. I didn't care about any of it. Yeah. I just liked the way I felt listening to that music and watching the videos. I, I would ride home my bike from wherever I was at any given time because they used to know, and I talk about this in the book, they used to play the videos uh, like world premiere videos every four hours on the dot. So you knew at noon and 4 PM and 8 PM, you could watch Van Halen's Panama video or quiet riots. Mama, we're all crazy. Now those two videos stick out the most to me for some reason, because I think they both, both come out in the same summer and I would, I would, wherever i was i would get on my little bike and pedal till i couldn't till i was you know till i was out of breath to to get home and watch those videos and it it just it it was it was cool it was all consuming to me and and all i thought was even at that early age in 6th grade i thought man i wonder if i could make music so good that one day some kid will drive all the way across town almost killing himself just to watch the video yeah and, uh, and and then the other thing that was interesting to me mtv famous the term was when i was a kid and i saw those guys i assumed they were all equals and they were all stars if you were all on that channel and you were all you know you, you know if you were on network tv and you were an actor and you were on happy days of laverne and shirley you you were all in the same boat, probably um, of, of getting paid. I mean, there's a star, and then there's there's lesser paid. But you saw them as stars, and that they had made it, and they had no problems. And what you what I didn't come to realize till years later was half those people with those number one videos were working at gas stations and school teachers, and <laughs> you know, right, and, right. And you just didn't know that they were all rock stars on equal playing field on MTV and it was just it was larger than life to me it was superheroes it was it was everything you could dream to watch mtv and and it, it set forth a path in my life, man.
2: Uh, yeah. Another thing that I was in reading the book, another, you know, a piece of it that really reached out and grabbed me was when you were talking about that one particular scene in the Hotford Teacher video where Eddie's walking down the tables and the <laughs> camera's shooting up at him. And I was reading it going, yes, yes, that. It's that swagger. It's that, you know, that, right. that you put it perfectly. I mean, they were superheroes. And we watched them the same way that we watch Marvel movies now. That's Th- correct. That that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's the, that's what those guys were to us. And so, you know, you mentioned, I mean, you talk about your mom extensively in the book and the fact that, like you said, she was the one that put the guitar in your hand first. She was very supportive of you throughout uh, you know, your rise. And, and so t- talk about her and about what that meant to you as, as you were you know, in those times when you had to look for motivation.
5: Uh, you know, my mom, interestingly enough, my mother is what, and she's been past for 25 years. But my mom was one of those women that uh, everyone that knows her would joke that she was your best friend or your worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, yeah. there was no in between. She loved you or she hated you. For a lot of years, she disliked my drummer Chuck, who you've met over the years. Mm-hmm. He was originally in Brett's band, and he's not in the band anymore. And my mom, my mom disliked Chuck so much. That he wasn't even allowed to come in our front door. He had to come in our back door for us to have band rehearsal. But you know, uh, she, she later learned to love him. But uh, she was she was supportive and she would kill for you. I think the one thing I got from my from my mother was loyalty, the unconditional loyalty which I give to Brett. Brett has provided me with the most amazing life I could ever have, and 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 so. I'm with him till the end. I'm never looking for another gig. I'm never looking for anything better to do Uh, until he says he's ready to go home. uh, I'm there with him. And I, and I think, and and, and I try to teach that to my son who is now uh, embarking in a musical career that I really believe loyalty had a lot to do with the success I've had in my life, whether it be the candle business, uh, the music industry, um, you you, you just believe in something. And what's the term in sports, a Fairweather fan? Is that the term?
2: Yep. Yeah.
5: And, you know, it's funny. I never knew that until Hootie and the Bowfish's second record was called Fairweather Johnson. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And someone finally explained it to me. And, and that term really, I sure wrote about that in the book. That term irritated me when I was, I was in my twenties when that record came out and I thought there's people like that. There's people that turn their back on their teens. And, uh, and I just believe that loyalty is everything. Even when I was uh, younger playing the clubs, I would play the clubs and I would only play one club in every town. And I would find the one that works for me. You know, in a lot of bands, oversaturate themselves in the local market because they'll play uh on friday they'll play one place and then three doors down not the banther doors down, they'll play another bar three or four doors down in the same town yeah and uh and i always found a club in every town and made it mine and that was my loyalty and i would not go anywhere else i wouldn't go outside of a, a anything that they thought would be a radius clause and then when i moved into shining soul and started selling my candles wholesale I used that same approach to people that were buying my candles. I would promise them that I won't, sell to any other vendor in any in in your town so that you have exclusivity and i i just believe loyalty goes a long long way
2: man no doubt about it pete evick is with us speaking hang on and we'll do some more talking for uh just hang on for us for a couple of minutes we'll we'll do some more talking again the brand new book is called mtv famous uh pete evick who plays lead guitar for the brett michaels band on the line with us and we'll do some more talking about him about the book and just life as we continue on through this thursday afternoon on one kmbz one fifty-two. now the time as our, conti- our conversation continues with Pete Evick of the Brett Michaels Band and also the author of the brand new book MTV Famous which comes on the heels of uh, his book from uh, from previous uh, the, the Moments That Make Up uh, The part the Moments That Make Us Pete, my, my mouth's not working today so <laughs> sorry about that uh, but always such a pleasure to have you on the broadcast and you know we were talking off the air just a minute ago about where I want to go next which is uh, your sons and you mentioned you've got a son who's launching a music career of his own and it's something that uh you know the guy that we both have a lot of respect for roger klein we we had that conversation with him a while ago he's also got kids and that's got to be tough when you're when you're touring a lot when you're out of town a lot and you've got kids how do you strike that balance because i know that there's such a giant piece of what motivates you being a dad
5: um (laughs) you know I'm, i'm not gonna lie uh, even even you saying that. I'm sitting here in town 20 minutes from both of them yeah. and you saying that got me teary eyed. Uh, it's been a long, long, you know, I've been on the road since high school. Uh, I when Gavin was born, my my youngest son, when he was born. Uh, two days later, I left because I had a ten-day residency in the Virgin Islands, and it was my job. It wasn't a hobby. That's how I got paid. Yep. So I, I I had to I had to do that. Um. And I, it, it, there's an enormous amount of guilt. And you know, I talk to my children all the time about it. I'm very open. There's a a a song. It was a big hit from the band Foster Pussycat called House of Pain, and in the '80s, and the song is. Uh, dealing with the the singer Tammy Down's um, lack of a father growing up and when I was a when I was a child I had my father in my home we weren't super close but he lived in the home but that song hurt when I heard that song it it hurt yeah and when I look back I look back and wonder if it was um, clairvoyance or me singing into the future and knowing that I may cause that pain to my children and uh and it's it's funny because as Gavin got older and got into music he found that song and I was like Gavin I need to know right now are you connecting with that song do you feel that I've abandoned you do you feel it and we were able to have this open conversation about all the pain I'd felt being on the road with him and you know him and my youngest son both like no dad we don't feel that at all. You were here. You were here. You know, I never missed a birthday or Christmas, but but I would fly out on Christmas Day to play the night after and stuff. <laughs> so I never missed any of the big moments, but just being there for the regular moments, not sitting down and having family dinner every night, uh, it it haunts me and it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. And I don't deny saying that, but me and my children talk openly about it. I constantly make sure that they feel that that I gave them as much as they could, and and what I did was an inspiration to them. It showed them whether it was the candle company or you know I never moved out of my 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 hometown, I, and so it's that John Cougar Mellencamp, uh, John Bon Jovi type of thing. I showed them that anyone under any odds can achieve what they want to achieve, and I think that's the that that's that's what any parent wants to give their kids. So. I, I did that so I think that I won I think I got it right <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> oh I have no doubt that you did my friend because you've, you've as we say you've done so many things and all of them have uh you know have been these great successes and we're gonna send people out again you can now get MTV famous in any format hardcover uh, softback you can get a, a digital download on Amazon wherever you get books you can get MTV famous uh, the same is true of the moments that make us both of them from Pete Evick, our guest and Pete it is always such a pleasure talking to you my friend thank you so much for being with us and uh for the book and all of the other great stuff that you've done we'll look forward to seeing you early next year I can't wait. We're going to get together early, right? You got it, brother. Yeah, and you're welcome to come in here for another visit if you want to while you're here in town as well.
5: All right, and plan to come up and jam up soundcheck with us.
2: <laughs> you got it. All right, Pete Evick, take care of yourself. Thank you so much for being with us. And for those of you listening in, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And do, I mean, get a copy of the book. Uh, it's it's just such a wonderful story and a great look inside. What it takes to make it. And it's not just what it takes to make it in the music industry. It's what it takes to make it. Do that thing. Do that thing. Dana and Park's up next. You and I back together tomorrow morning at 10 with Wink Stared here on 981 k
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?